It's gut check time for the New York Giants to start off the season 0-2. Are there reasons to be optimistic that the Giants can turn this around? I'll give you three possibilities as well as three X factors for each. Coming up next on the Locked on Giants podcast. You are Locked on Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. My name is Patricia Trena. So happy to have you with us here on this Wednesday, the 22nd of September. The New York Giants 0-2 are getting back to work today, getting ready for the Atlanta Falcons who come into MetLife Stadium on Sunday on Eli Manning Day. And on today's show, we are going to talk about Reasons to be optimistic that the Giants can maybe pull themselves out of this slump that they're in. Now, those of you who have listened to me for a long time or have read me, you know, I try to be optimistic. I also try to be realistic, but I also try to be optimistic. I'm not at all about gloom and doom. So it's too easy, I think, to sit here and say, okay, the Giants are just you know, count, start to count down to the draft. The Giants aren't going to go anywhere. It's going to be ugly the rest of the year, but I prefer to try and look at the bright side of things. And what I have done for today's show is I've identified three reasons why I think the Giants can potentially turn this around. Now, within each reason, I'm also going to talk about the X factor. In other words, what could curtail that reason or, or uh, you know, de- derail it, if you will. And just so I give you, you know, both sides of the coin, so to speak. And I'll just let you decide at the end of the show what you think. If the Giants can maybe pull this out or are they destined for another long, long year? And let's hope it's not that's not the case because otherwise, um, gosh, I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so that's the the agenda for today's show. And um, let's get started, shall we? All right. so. Reason number one to be encouraged that the Giants could potentially pull this out. Quarterback Daniel Jones. What? Did I say Daniel Jones? Yeah, I did say Daniel Jones. And I'm going to tell you why. Daniel Jones last week against Washington had one of his better games. Was it his best game? No, I I wouldn't go that far. But it Considering what we have seen from him over the last several games, this one was encouraging. And I'm going to give you a few stats and evaluations from my film study. And uh, again, I'll let you decide if there's merit in this reason to be optimistic or if there isn't. So right off the bat with Daniel Jones, we've got to talk about the ball security. All right. No fumbles last week. Um, You know, he's been doing a little bit better of a job holding on to the ball. So that was that was a big step. Now, the the thing with that is, is obviously he needs to stack multiple games together with no turnovers. You know, you can't just get excited, I guess, about one game. But look, we're we're trying to be optimistic here. And that's a start. You got to start somewhere. 
So better ball security would be the first thing. The other thing, one interception in his last eight starts. Okay, now, my feeling here is uh, that one interception, which I believe was uh, week 17 against Dallas. And that was the game. That was the game. I believe where Jones hit Evan Ingram and the ball went through Evan Ingram's hands and landed in, in the uh, arms of a Dallas defender. So you can't pin that on Jones. I mean, certain interceptions, if he makes a bad throw, a, ba- a bad decision. Yes. But if a ball creams off the hands off of a, off of receiver, then I, you know, I know that gets charged to the quarterback, but I don't think it's fair. But anyway, one interception in the last eight starts. So that to me says that he's maybe starting to feel a little bit more comfortable with running this offense. He's seeing the field a little bit better, making maybe some better decisions. Now, are all his decisions perfect? No, there's been times when he's missed guys that were wide open or didn't see things that he maybe should have seen and taken advantage of. But again, it just, to me, the lack of interceptions, knock on wood, is a sign that maybe things are starting to really slow down for Daniel in this offense. Okay, now going to pro football focus, looking at some of their stats, this was an interesting one. Daniel has had a significant reduction in what's called turnover-worthy plays. Okay, so what's a turnover-worthy play? Basically a play that should have been a turnover, be it a, a throw into a tight window, a bad decision, you know, a drop uh, interception by a defender, something that should have been a turnover in ordinary circumstances. Now, last year, Jones had 17 turnover-worthy plays, okay? A little more than one per game. So about 3.1% of his Uh, pass attempts were turnover worthy this year. All right. That number. Okay. Again, it's only been two, two games, but this year he's had two turnover worthy plays, both of those coming against Denver. So roughly about 2.3% of his plays, none last week against Washington and Washington's defense, as I've said before, very tough customer. So that was a very encouraging sign that Daniel did not have any turnover turnover worthy plays against the uh, Washington football team. Okay, what else? Well, you know, you look at Daniel's numbers and there's one number that really jumps out at me and kind of irks me. It's not so much on him though. It's more on his receivers and that's drop passes. Two games six drop balls, according to pro football focus. All right. So that's an average of three drops per game. All right. This coming off of uh, the first two years of Daniel's career, he had 21 drops as a rookie, 29 drops last year. Now, again, the drops get charged to the quarterback, but just think about this for a moment. If those drops had been caught, what kind of a difference would that have made in his stats and his production and his ability to move the ball down the field? A big one. So you can't really flag uh, Jones for, for the drop passes. That's more on the receivers, tight ends, running backs, whoever's making the drops. But it's been encouraging that um, Jones from week one this year to week two 
went from completing 59.5% of his passes, which again, that number is a little different if those three drops aren't in the drop column. Um, So Jones went from 59.5% to 68.8%. That's a significant increase, again, against a good Washington defense. All right. So, you know, total drops, that's about 12% of Daniel's pass attempts. Not his fault. Got to, the receiver's got to do a better job, plain and simple. All right. Now, here's another stat that I found interesting. Daniel's been getting 2.63 seconds to throw the pet to throw the ball. Probably the highest that he has had in three, you know, his three seasons as an NFL quarterback. That's a, a good sign from the offensive line. It means they're protecting him, giving him a little bit more time. Now, what we haven't seen yet is a whole lot of deep attempts and the deep attempts he has tried, you know, like the Darius Slayton deep attempt that Slayton dropped, they haven't worked out, but it's very encouraging that Jones is getting more than 2.5 seconds to throw the ball. I mean, anything under 2.5 means you've got to hurry it up and there's no opportunity to really open up the offense and, and go for the deep balls. 2.63 seconds, that should be plenty of time to to get a play, you know, uh, to get a ball out of your hands and try a deep pass here and there. So uh, that's encouraging, as is the fact that um, the offensive playmakers, now they've looked a little disjointed. Kenny Galladay, I think, caught three out of eight pass attempts um, last week against Washington, Kyle Rudolph only had the two receptions, one in the first quarter, one in the fourth quarter, none in the red zone. So you just feel like if you put everything together, or at least how this is how I feel, I feel like that offense is really on the verge of starting to click and put things together. And it all starts with the play of Daniel Jones. So um, the fact that the Giants were able to score 29 points, and I've said this before on the show, 25 points is really what you want to aim for because that was the average of uh, the league last year. So that's the number we're kind of going with until we have a bigger sample size to work with. But 29 points, that should have been more than enough for the Giants to win had the defense held up, which we all know it didn't. So that's a reason to be optimistic. Now, the X factor here. Can Daniel be consistent? You know, we don't want a situation where week two against Washington was the exception to the rule. And he goes back in week three against Atlanta and week four against New Orleans. And he starts making mistakes and, and, you know, getting careless with the ball security and all that stuff. So that is the X factor. But if you're looking for something to hang your hat on, something to be encouraged by, Start with Daniel Jones's performance. It hasn't been perfect, but it's been a lot better. And it's certainly encouraging as the Giants look to right the ship and get on the board in the win column. Hey, Giant fans, get all the latest news, odds, info, and sign-up bonuses for all your sporting needs by heading over to betonline.ag on your laptop or mobile device. When you open an account and use our special promo code locked on. You will receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's code locked on for your 50% welcome bonus. Terms and conditions apply. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. 
Hey, Giant fans, Patricia Trainer here with an incredible app that everyone who buys gas needs to know about. It's called Get Upside. And my listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up at the pump. Just download this free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now and use our promo code TOUCHDOWN to get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. That's 50 cents cash back. That's right. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN when you sign up for an account. All right, Giant fans, welcome back to the Locked on Giants podcast. I am Patricia Trena, and on today's show, we are giving you reasons to hope that the Giants two-game losing streak will come to an end this Sunday against the Atlanta Falcons. And with each reason to hope, I'm also throwing in the X factor and whether or not the Giants, uh, or what could derail actually the hope that I outlined. And before we continue with item number two, just a quick reminder on tomorrow's show, we have Aaron Freeman of Locked On Falcons. He's joining me for the crossover show. Aaron and I taped our program on Tuesday So I talked a little bit about the Giants. That's going to be on the Locked on Falcons podcast for Thursday. And Aaron gave us the lowdown on the Falcons, which will be on the Thursday show. So Thursday is crossover Thursday, and uh, we will have that show for you. All right, let's get to the next item on our list of reasons to hope that the Giants are going to turn things around sooner than later. And in the last segment, I talked a little bit about Daniel Jones and all the things that he's been doing that are encouraging. So now I want to expand a little bit and talk about the offense in general, in particular, the receiving core and tight ends I'm going to throw in and their ability to score. Now I went and I looked this, these stats up on pro football focus and uh, I looked them up for Sterling Shepard, Kenny Galladay, Kyle Rudolph, and Saquon Barkley. I wanted to see what their scoring rate was per reception. So Sterling Shepard has 21 career touchdowns on 333 career receptions. That's one touchdown for every 15.8 catches that he makes. Even better now, Kenny Galladay and Kyle Rudolph. Kenny Galladay has 21 touchdowns on 190 receptions. That's one for every 9.04. Kyle Rudolph, 50 career touchdowns 470, on 473 um, career receptions, one score for every 9.46 receptions. All right. And then you have Saquon, who doesn't get out in space too much. Hopefully, we'll start to see that more um, as the weeks go on. But Saquon has six receiving touchdowns, 152 receptions. So that works out to one for every 25 receptions. So the numbers there that I think you have to take away are the ones for Katie Galladay and Kyle Rudolph, because look, this is why the Giants went out and got these guys. They're playmakers, you know, get the ball in their hands. Chances are they're going to score more often than not. We haven't really seen it so far in the first two games. And I mentioned, um, how last week, Kyle Rudolph, only two pass targets, one in the first quarter and one in the fourth quarter, none in the red zone. That is where Kyle Rudolph is at his best. So 
you could probably guess where I'm going with on the X factor here. That is the offensive game plan. And in particular, the deployment of these guys, you know, you, you can't have Kyle Rudolph on the field and not get, try to get the ball to him, you know, especially down in the red zone where he's been so lethal over the course of his career. Same thing with Kenny Galladay. Now Galladay, just to kind of backtrack to last Thursday night, um, he was targeted eight times and he caught three balls. And I think he had, I want to say two drops. So, you know, we all know about the frustration that he showed on the sideline, that viral moment that was captured of him yelling at Jason Garrett, who, you know, that's who Galladay confirmed he was yelling at. Galladay's got to be better. Now that said, what we need to remember, Galladay and Rudolph basically missed most of training camp, most of the preseason. So there's something to be said about getting your feet back underneath you, getting a a feel for what you're doing, kind of, you know, just getting back in sync with your quarterback. So it's an ongoing process, you know, and if you have been following along with me all, you know, going back to the spring, I made note of the fact that during the spring practices, every opportunity Daniel Jones got, he was throwing a ball to Kenny Galladay whether they were standing on the sideline and just tossing a ball back and forth, or they were staying after practice to do some throwing or whatever the case might be. Jones did not have that luxury with Kyle Rudolph because Rudolph was recovering from foot surgery. So the hope is that as Galladay gets more comfortable with what he's doing, as Rudolph gets his his, uh, sea legs back underneath him, that we will start to see more involvement by these guys and hopefully more points. Now, here's the X factor, Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett thus far has been sticking with those stick route options, which you can draw your own conclusions, but I suspect that's what was at the source of Kenny Holiday's frustration. One of many things I might add. Is Jason Garrett going to be able to open up that offense to what maybe they ran, you know, similar concepts, similar deployment that he ran in Dallas? Possibly. I mean, the more that these guys get involved and become comfortable, perhaps. But what if he doesn't? What if he sticks with the same scheme, the same boring concepts and doesn't show creativity or imagination? Glad you asked. What'll happen, I suspect, is that if they don't open things up and they're not getting the production from Kenny Galladay and Kyle Rudolph, I would not be stunned if, say, by the bye week, we see Freddie Kitchens getting more involved in the play calling. You know, maybe as a passing game coordinator uh, or in some other type of role. Because, look, the Giants have the playmakers in the passing game. They have a decent running game. Saquon, I think the more he gets his feet back underneath him, the better he's going to be and the closer he's going to look to being his old self. But the creativity has got to be there. And so far, I don't think we can all say that it has been. So that's the big X factor I see with this point, this reason to be hopeful. So again, the reason to be optimistic is the Giants do have playmakers, proven playmakers with a history of production. And if they're not producing this year, 
yes, you look at the player, but you also got to take a look at the scheme and how they're being deployed within the scheme. And that's where head coach Joe Judge is going to have to make some very difficult decisions or maybe not so difficult. I mean, depending on your perspective regarding how things are set up, how the play calling is set up, how the game plans are drawn up and how basically they're doing things because there is no reason, no excuse not to get these guys involved more and give them, you know, better opportunities to do what they do best. You know, the coaching staff, they talk about what the player does well. You know, don't tell me what he can't do. Tell me what he can do. Well, we know Kenny Galladay can make big plays. We know Kyle Rudolph is a red zone threat. Why not take advantage of that? And that's, that's the big question. And, um, you know, Two weeks in, Jason Garrett, I guess, is still getting a feel for that. But let's see what happens over the, not just this week, but over the next few weeks, if that changes. If it doesn't, then something's got to give because they cannot continue doing things the, the way they have been on offense. Hey, Giant fans, today I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle. Direct TV Stream brings you your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, which means you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So stop waiting and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies according to package. Hey, Giant fans, if you haven't checked them out already, take a look at Built Bar. Built Bar is a healthy, low-carb, low-sugar, and high-protein treat that will satisfy your sweet tooth. Each delicious Built Bar is covered in pure milk chocolate, and they have nine amazing flavors, plus the occasional limited-time flavor available, both in nut and nut-free varieties. Visit BuiltBar.com, enter our promo code LOCK15, and you will get 15% off your first order Again, that's BuiltBar.com using the promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 at BuiltBar.com for 15% off your first order. All right, Giant fans, welcome back to Locked on Giant segment three. And we're talking about reasons to have hope, to have optimism that the Giants are going to turn things around. But As part of the uh, optimism, we're also looking at what could potentially go wrong with each of the points. So we spent the first two segments of the show talking about the offense. Now let's talk a little bit about the defense and why we should be optimistic that they're going to pull it together. All right. So the thing with the defense is we've got to go back and we've got to look at what they have done the first couple weeks of the season and why they have done it. So I have a theory. I'm going to put it out there. You can agree or disagree with me if you want, but the Giants defense really didn't play together for most of the summer. Um, Adoree Jackson had the ankle injury there towards the end. So he missed some valuable time towards the end when the dress rehearsal took place, the pass rush, you know, the Giants coaches were more interested, I think, to see the depth than they were some of these uh, returning veterans, So, you know, the depth guys got a little bit more snaps and the result I think was you had a defense that didn't quite gel, that 
had some upgrades made to the talent. For example, Dory Jackson was added. You know, they got back O'Shane Simenez and Lorenzo Carter. They added Aziz Ojolari on the edge. Um, Austin Johnson took on more of a role held by Dalvin Tomlinson. Danny Shelton was was uh, added to the mix. And I don't know if we can really say that that defense ever gelled during the summer. So what happens? The Giants roll into the season and Patrick Graham, the defensive coordinator, who now supposedly has what he needs to play man coverage more often to be more aggressive, goes the opposite direction. Now, to be fair, the Giants did play a little bit more man coverage the last couple of weeks, but they also played more of a true bend but don't break type of defense in that they kept things in front of them almost as though they were afraid to be beaten deep. So ask yourself this, how often did we see cornerbacks, for example, bumping guys, you know, getting a jam off the line of scrimmage? How often did we see um, the defensive backs playing closer to the line of scrimmage as opposed to, you know, 10, 15 yards deep or so deep that they weren't even in the screen? Not, you know... We saw a lot of that. It's almost like the defense wanted to keep everything in front of them. You throw in the struggles to defend the run on the edges. And I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I do know that most of the rushing yard has come, rushing yards, excuse me, from the opponents has come on the edges. Okay. You throw in the stagnant pass rush. You know, Dalvin Tomlinson, I, I keep saying the Giants miss him. Because he really did create opportunities for, you know, the Dexter Lawrences, the Leonard Williams, and, and the edge rushers, you know, the group last year, which probably, I think you'd make the argument, wasn't quite as talented as the group they have this year. So add it all together, and you have a defense that's off to a very slow start. And then, you know, James Bradbury looks like he's been, you know, for lack of a better term, neutered. This is a guy who thrives being physical. And I don't think he's been asked to be physical very much this this year, which I don't understand. So the conservativeness that we've seen from the defense, is that because Patrick Graham wants them to all come together and gel and get used to playing alongside of one another? I don't know the answer to that, but I do know that the defense you know, we can probably all agree that the defense has been a problem. Now that said, here's why I'm optimistic. They're going to turn it around. I do think at some point Graham is just going to take the, uh, you know, the ropes off and let these guys play, let them fly around because, Hey, that's what worked for them last year. So why fix what's not broken? I mean, it makes no sense. I think the pass rush is going to come along. Um, Got to see more of a push by the outside guys. Uh, Azizo Jaleri has, I think, the only sacks from amongst the edge rushers. So I I look for him to get more and more snaps over, say, O'Shane Zimenez, who can rush the passer, but he still struggles against the run. Um, Lorenzo Carter, a couple times looked like you know he he had that burst and looked like he was able to get close, but got to get home. Got to get home with some of those rushes close. Close but no cigar isn't going to cut it. So I think that 
this defense, despite its slow start, and you know, I I always go back to 2007, and I know you're going to sit there and say this isn't the same team, it's not the same circumstances. It kind of is in that the 2007 team started out really slow, really conservative. You sat there and you watched them and that defense and and you said to yourself, my God, when are they going to take the the chains off and just let them fly? And the defensive coordinator at the time, Steve Spagnuolo, did so by the third game, the third or fourth game, I think it was. So I'm hopeful that Patrick Graham will soon be taking the chains off and letting those guys fly around playing them a little bit more aggressively, um, you know, especially as Adoree Jackson's ankle continues to get better and better each week, which according to head coach Joe Judge, it is. And I do think that the, the Giants defense, which coming into the year was by far the, the biggest strength on paper, I think they'll live up to that reputation. I mean, I'm optimistic. I think Patrick Graham will figure it out. I think the players will come together, play better. Right now, it hasn't been good enough. We can all agree on that. But it's also been conservative. And we need to see the same mindset that we saw last year, where they just kind of threw caution to the wind and just flew around and did their thing. So I think that defense is going to come around. I think, you know, with the offense continuing to gel with Daniel Jones, if he can stack together some some positive plays uh, week after week, the Giants will be able to turn this around. Now, maybe I'm dreaming. Maybe I'm being, you know, maybe this is wishful thinking on my part. But like I said, I try to be optimistic. I try to look at things as objectively as I can. You'll notice I'm not wearing my glasses. I do wear glasses and they're no, they're not rose colored. But I mentioned I'm not wearing my glasses because I don't have, you know, I'm not looking at this through rose colored glasses, folks. I'm trying to give it to you straight. And, you know, if they don't turn it around, if, if all these X factors that, that can puncture these potential reasons for this team to get better don't you know happen, it's going to be a long year. But uh, the good news is, if you want to call it good news, is we'll be right here at the Locked on Giants podcast to help get you through it, to provide you with, uh, you know, weekly uh, venting or, you know, some of you have called it therapy sessions, especially the Q&A. So we'll have all that for you. All right, Giant fans, before we say goodbye, tomorrow is the crossover show with Aaron Freeman of Locked On Falcons. We'll also have the latest from the Giants practice. They start on uh, Wednesday getting ready for the Falcons. We'll have the injury report and a whole bunch of stuff. Um, and what's going to be a very busy week for uh, the New York Giants. So hope you'll tune in. Thank you so much for listening. And we will talk to you again tomorrow.